A video showing a man dancing at a music festival made the rounds on the internet a few years ago. The video was interesting because the man was dancing entirely by himself and for quite a while. And as a viewer, the video quickly goes from entertaining to uncomfortable. Does he see the crowd that's forming around him? Why is no one else dancing? It's that uncomfortable feeling you might get when someone does something that makes them incredibly vulnerable. You desperately want the risk to pay off, the joke to land, the sentiment to be shared, the dance to be joined. Now, mercifully for the dancing man, he was eventually joined by another dancer and then another and another and another until the whole crowd was dancing together. But that moment of initial vulnerability lingers long after the video had ended. The author of our text today writes from a context that may feel at once familiar and prophetic. The Israelite people have been in exile for 70 years, kept apart from the things they love to do and the people they love to see. And finally, after all that time, they're allowed to return to Jerusalem to start rebuilding their lives. They're allowed to go back to normal. But the normal that meets them is disappointing. Crumbled buildings and ruined cities, economic disparity and social injustice. This thing that they'd been waiting for for 70 years did not live up to their expectations. It was not the utopia that they had hoped for. And amid heaps of rubble emerges the voice of the prophet Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners. This is a message of joy, of good news for a people living in deep darkness. And this is also a vulnerable joy. The prophet is looking around at all of the broken things that need to be fixed and daring to say, I have good news. The prophet is looking at the hopelessness and injustice and proclaiming all alone, all by himself, that death and pain and brokenness will not have the last word. This prophetic voice may be solitary and it may be quiet, but it is a voice of joy a voice of good news. It's an invitation to join the dancing man. Midway through World War II, the eyes of the world were firmly locked on Nazi Germany. Under the cloak of this distraction, Soviet Russia began to invade the Baltic countries of Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. The Soviets prohibited these countries' flags from being flown and their songs from being sung, and this occupation lasted 50 long years. Until, in 1969, a joyful revolution began to bubble up. It all started, like our dancing man, at a music festival. Estonian songs were forbidden under Soviet rule, but during a break in the music, a lone voice began to sing. 
The song was a century old poem called The Land of My Fathers. And despite the weighty threat of the Soviet authorities, more and more voices joined in the song. The Soviet military band on stage was ordered to start playing a different song really loudly to try and drown out the singers, but the voices of the crowd swelled. Even a hundred instruments was no match for over a hundred thousand singers. Historians have since named this event the Singing Revolution, and they credit it as a major catalyst in the timeline of Estonian independence. Now, a people struggling against an oppressive regime might not look like joy, as we often understand it. But as the prophet Isaiah understood it, joy is radical and revolutionary. It differs from happiness, pleasure, enjoyment, or simply feeling good because joy is tied up and woven together with hope. It's about taking a long view of time, looking at the present and the past and the future and delighting in the hope of Christ and the fingerprints of God. Or as one commentator put it, feeling good about something good. And this joy, no matter how small or how revolutionary, it can make us feel so, so vulnerable. Perhaps precisely because joy is tied up with hope. So when we encounter joy in our own lives, we wait for the other shoe to drop, or we look around at the sadness of the world and feel guilty for our joy, or we think about all the things that could go wrong. Joy feels vulnerable and lofty and risky, and we snuff it out. Brene Brown says as much in her book, Daring Greatly. She researched vulnerability and was surprised to find that for most of her interviewees, moments of joy left them feeling even more vulnerable than moments of fear or shame. When asked about experiences that made them feel vulnerable, her respondents said, standing over my children when they're sleeping acknowledging how much I love my spouse, knowing how good I've got it, loving my job, spending time with my parents, watching my parents with my children, thinking about my relationship with my boyfriend or girlfriend or partner, getting engaged, going into remission, having a baby, getting promoted, being happy, falling in love, vulnerable joy. The fact is that joy can surprise us, both in the too good to be true times and the can't get any worse times. It breaks in and it interjects and it interrupts. It's the small singing voice that starts a revolution and the whispered I love you at the end of the day. It's fragile and vulnerable and precious, and it's powerful and world-changing and revolutionary. It's the baby in the manger in Bethlehem and the ascension of the risen Lord in Bethany. This risen Lord who invites us to join in the hopeful and revolutionary and vulnerable dance, holding fast to the joy that Christ brings into the world.
Thanks be to God. Amen.